This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download. We're finally in that coveted area called football season. I'm Tom Duncan. Ethan Hamilton here. It's exciting to be back. It's exciting to be this close, um, getting the team ready. I spent like a good 45 minutes to an hour yesterday just just looking around at some things. You know, you kind of get that itch when the draft happens and now you feel like the season's already here, and I'm excited. I'm excited. We've got some things in place. We've got some testing protocols in uh, the lost year that we're currently living through. But um, you definitely know it's near the season when uh, I send out a Facebook group message, uh, and five minutes later my dad's texting me on, which of these three players would you keep? <laughs> He's going to you, huh? He always goes to me, but then again, so does Derek, so does Alan. Like, everybody always gives me my advice. So now, at least if I do it on the show, uh, it's out in public and we don't have a problem with this. So, I'll, in fact, we'll start the show off with that. He was down to three players. He had Zach Pascal, Robbie Anderson, or uh, O.J. Howard, and he had to keep one. Can you guess which one I told him? Who are we talking about? I'm sorry. So Robbie Anderson, Zach We're Pascal. We're talking about your dad's team? Yep. Okay. Or O.J. Howard. Robbie Anderson, Zach Pascal, or O.J. Howard, you said? Yep. I would probably say Robbie Anderson, right? That's who I went with, and it's simply because of this. I don't know how O.J. Howard's going to fit into that team right now. You he still think he's going to get traded, right? I still think I don't he's know if he'll traded get traded. It's possible, and then he has some retail value, but he had a down year and an up-tempo offense last year anyway, so I don't know what the the level of competition that he's going to be at. The other thing being that um, you've got Gronkowski and you've got Cameron Brait still there, so he's like in that thing, and then you've got multiple receiving options in Godwin and Evans and... Uh, whoever else they put on the field that are going to be the primary guys. So I'm not sold on him being a huge option, but you know the tight end market is scarce. That being said, Zach Pascal was uh, productive last year, but you have to think he's going to be behind Hilton. He's going to be behind um, uh, who was the guy from Ohio State they took last year in the draft? Um, Paris Campbell. Yes, Paris Campbell. And then Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be working in. So I don't know what his overall value is going to be. Plus, they're all working with a new quarterback, whereas Pascal's um, great ability would be uh, his comfortability with Brissett. So if, like, Philip Rivers gets hurt, he may have some value, but I think he's probably minimum fourth on that depth chart. Now, well, yeah. Robbie Anderson, on the other hand, played for his now uh, head coach in college at Temple, Matt Rule, and... Um, they're already talking about trading Curtis Samuel, and if that's the case, he's now number two on the depth chart behind DJ Moore. Yeah, I mean, going back to Zach Pascal, I mean, he benefited a lot from the injuries that T.Y. Hilton right. was dealing with all year long, and Paris Campbell was here and dealing with all year, all uh, year long too. 
And um, talking about Paris Campbell, um, I think he's going to have, if he can stay healthy, he's going to have a really good sophomore season. I think, um, um, because you got to think that um, they know the end of the road is coming up for T.Y. Hilton. Um, They took a wide receiver last year. They took a wide receiver this year. Um, So I would just say they're probably going to try to work uh, Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman a little bit more. And like I said, T.Y. Hilton can never stay healthy Um, with Robbie Anderson as well, too. You just got to think he's probably he's the number two wide receiver in Carolina right away. And yeah, with the um, with the dynamic that he already has with his head coach, um, I feel like it's a pretty easy um, easy decision to go with. So, yeah, I'd go Robbie Anderson. Yeah, and the one thing I'll say with uh, Hilton, he's never had a full season as long as I can remember. Um, So, you know, the injury value is there. But the other thing is, is, and this is a thing the Packers used to do to um, great success, is that you're constantly stacking depth wide receivers. So you're just drafting one like every year in the second or third round and putting them into a bunch. And eventually you hit on several of them and it it works and you have a, a great package of them. Um, if you remember back to when they won the Super Bowl, you know, Jennings, Driver, um, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, all of those right in a row. And then they turn around the year after they win the Super Bowl and draft Randall Cobb. So it's it, sometimes it's a um, good thing to have too much of uh, a particular position, you know, and I think that's one of them where you can draft depth and not have to pay anybody um, at wide receiver because you can get good value in the second and third rounds. Um for less than what you're you're potentially paying for one of these superstars. Um, also, I, I think I would treat uh, wide receiver just slightly differently, but kind of in the same vein as you would running back. I don't think you need to pay the position as much um, because some of these guys uh, are a dime a dozen, and I think you can get value depending on your system. I mean, Julian Edelman was a seventh-round pick who was a quarterback out of Kent State. So sometimes it's just a matter of uh, being able to get position. So we'll see. Um, So uh, since we're on this same vein, I'll just tell you, my roster was pretty easy to pick most of them. I had one decision on my last spot uh, for my 15th, and I'll tell you which way I went, but I basically came down to Tariq Cohen or Sam Darnold. And I will take the position player because I think if nothing else, Sam Darnold's likely to be there in like the sixth round um, for a potential like, you know, late surge pick or whatever else. But I think there are better quarterbacks I could potentially take out of the draft pool. Your your um, ability to draft, you know, Tua or um, Joe Burrow for a week, because that's basically all I need. I have Pat Mahomes, so unless he gets hurt, and at that point, my season's basically done anyway. He, um, you don't have any other quarterback besides Mahomes? You're just going with one. Well, not of any value. One. Well, no, I'm, that's, that's the all thing. I'm asking. Yeah, no, I did that once, you know, when Carson Wentz was coming out. I let Matt Ryan go. It was a tough decision to make, but I felt like I had to for the same reason you did. You, you just value the position player more, and you feel like you can get another quarterback that can – take over on their bye week or if there's a matchup that you really like but other than that you got your guy and you're going to start him 14 out of 16 weeks anyway for sure if 
um, I had another quarterback. I certainly, depending on matchup or some of these other things, like Mahomes going against the Ravens or something like that, or um, one of these like top tier defenses or something, I wouldn't mind if the guy behind him was actually decent. But when my top backup is Sam Darnold, like I, I'm certainly not really valuing that. And again, this is for the last spot on my team. Now, if we're talking going into last season when I had both Andrew Luck and Pat Mahomes, I thought I would be able to switch those oh, guys out every yeah. week. Hell yeah. That so I'm always looking. Yeah, well, and so break. I'm always looking for positional value. So it's not that I can't. It's simply this, that Sam Darnold did not have a good year, as good a year last year as I thought he would. And um, if it's a matter of Tariq Cohn who might have – uh, some value, not great, but he's still a receiving back in a in a uh, half point PPR setting. Um, he's still more valuable than potentially a quarterback who's going to finish 15th. Now, if you're talking Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz, is that I, I would have taken him before that. It wouldn't have even been a decision. We wouldn't have gotten to this point. It would have been between Tariq Cohen and somebody else. Now, I will say notably, my team did keep both Tony Pollard and uh, Alexander Madison. So that was never really on the chopping block. I, I just wanted to make a mention of that. But did you have any tough roster decisions yourself, sir? You're waiting on a prayer for those two, aren't you? Um, yeah, might as well. Um, yeah, I only had one difficult decision to make. Um, and at the end of the day, it really wasn't that difficult because it was for my wide receiver, like six spot or five spot. Um, it was yeah. between James Washington and Christian Kirk. Who, do, who would you have? Who would you Boy, have to? That's that's tough. Yeah, I mean, ask me this question at the at the end of last year, it's really easy, you know. But now the nuke trade, um, that it makes it a little more different, and you know, Deontay Johnson is coming on pretty strong in Pittsburgh. Right, and, right. So, um, Washington tough... and Kirk are at best going to be the number twos on their team. Right. Um. Washington had a better second half last year, but he was not consistent overall in the same way that Johnson was. Pittsburgh also drafted another wide receiver, and you still have Smith-Schuster. But their situation is going to be drastically improved by uh, Roethlisberger playing. And let's be quite frank, there's no way uh, Roethlisberger is opting out. Like, the only player I would think in the history of the NFL that would be less likely to opt out is maybe Brett Favre. Because... Probably Brett Favre thinks he could, like, saddle ride uh, the coronavirus. Anyway, um, but I think I would give it to Kirk just because I think the long-term value is a little bit there where the team's younger. They're running more uh, three and four wide receiver sets. They're passing more often than any other team. And uh, you have a younger quarterback that he can still grow with who happened to be, at least for one year, his college quarterback. So um, I think there's at least some better value there, but I certainly understand given, um, you know, you wanting to capitalize on, on younger value. I, that, what, that's the decision I went with. I, I'm keeping Christian Kirk. Um, it was a, actually a tough decision because, you know, I drafted James Washington as a rookie. He's been on and off my team as, you know, I've needed to make roster changes, um, but I, if he's there, I always try to end up getting him back because I really think um, he has potential to have a pretty productive NFL career and to be fantasy relevant for a couple of years as well. 
Um, watching well, his tape is pretty exciting too. You know, he's deceptively right. fast. He's a great route runner and has really, really good hands. Um, but you look at him and he doesn't look like you, like you see him in pads. He doesn't look like a wide receiver. He looks more like a running back to me when I see him. Um, but yeah, I mean, Christian Kirk had over a hundred targets last year. I know that's going to dip now that nuke is there. Uh, they both had, I think, uh, three touchdowns. Um, so, you know, and James Washington had 30 more yards than Christian Kirk did. So on 20 less receptions. So that one was tough to do, but I just feel like Christian Kirk has an easier chance of being the number two wide receiver than James Washington does. So I'm always wary. I, I like they put up big stats in college and James Washington came out of Oklahoma state. Um, and they've had our hit or miss situation when it comes to big 12 wide receivers actually panning out. Um, I haven't seen a big time, um, wide receiver out of the big 12 really hit it. Um, maybe if you want to say Michael Crabtree had like half the career that they expected of him going in the top 10. Well, um, yeah, Des had a pretty good career. Des had a pretty good. Yeah, career. but it's also shortened a little bit, but he's right. maybe the lone exception. Like but, Justin yeah, Blackman when he was, when came he was out kicking and he was, it, though. Oh man, Justin Blackman. Popped. Don't even like, talk that was, to me about that guy. And Hollywood <laughs> Brown had his um, injury problems last year, so he wasn't as productive. I mean, he had that one big week uh, the first week of the season when they were playing the Dolphins, but uh, I don't think he put up some of the same numbers. I mean, it was the Lamar Jackson show, so I, let, let's pump the brakes a little bit on that. And they're expecting bigger things for him out of year two. But um, I just I'm, – I'm a little wary on – some of these big 12 guys as far as what they're doing. And it's primarily this, they're running, uh, running shoots out of like every offensive system. They're throwing the ball all over the yard. And frankly, sometimes kind of like how the Mac plays defense, you'd be better off throwing a tackling dummy out there and hoping that they trip over it than like the actual defense that they're playing. So I'm, I'm not like, dead set on but i also see like the upside where you'd bank on some of these guys because like it seems like the big 12 wide receiver of the year gets also the blitnikoff every single year but it's because they're putting up huge stats like no other one is doing that but if you're asking me to bank on some of these guys that uh, are going to end up being better nfl pros i'm taken out of the acc i'm taken out of um the sec the pac 12 more than I'm probably taking out of the Big 12 if you just look at history. Let's talk about that then. Um, we're going to dive off a cliff here for a second. That's um, fine. Um, you're saying the ACC because that's where I have – the ACC is getting better each okay. year. And with Mac Brown – hold on, hold on, hold on. With Mac Brown going to North Carolina as a Carolina basketball fan, it makes yeah. me want to watch Carolina football that much more because holy shit, like he's got a recruiting class coming in. Well, but and they were pretty you, good last year. They were right. like a two-point conversion away. I watched that yep. game of beating Clemson, uh, yeah. who was in the title game. But yeah. by the ACC, I'll, I'll say this. When I mean the ACC, I've basically meant Florida State and Clemson up to this point. So. Okay, okay, because that's how that's why I have a hard time um, grading people like um, T. Higgins. Like, because you watch right. him, and then you watch the people that he goes up against, and it's like, and then you see that he didn't play ha- the second half of right. 80% of his games. It's like, 
all right, like, is this guy really that good? Or is, you know, because watching Mike Williams, because when I was yep. deciding between Mike Williams and Corey Davis, fuck you, Corey Davis. Um, Not like Mike Williams thing. is really panned out either. Yeah, I know, but it was the same thing. It was like, is this guy really that good? Is he going up against shit? Um, but then you got the same people that come out of that school, like Nuke, and I don't really like Sammy Watkins a lot, but he's had some flashes. Um, and you're like, man, these the Clemson, they've had people and they've had talent in that room, but it's, it gets so hard to trust those people. So, well, the, the thing I'll say, I'll even put some of the big 10 wide receivers in there. Like, um, you know, Terry McLaurin had a huge year last year and they're expecting even bigger things out of him this year. Uh, I'm still not sure who they're going to start at quarterback now that Alex Smith has been cleared for practice, but, um, it's one of those where, and, and I don't want to defer to this because I think the NFL has gone more up-tempo, more spread options, uh, doing different things. But there are multiple ways to win in the NFL. Um, that being said, uh, those guys, at least at the wide receiver position, if you're looking at it, are going against NFL bodies and NFL pro sets and just have a better sense of route running. Whereas like the Big 12, it's like go long or do these very simple routes. They're not doing some of the complex route running that you kind of need. And they're not going against some of the bigger, more physical cornerbacks. I mean, there's really no coincidence that Alabama's had some of the best wide receivers of the last, you know, 10 years, or uh, you've had some of the best guys come out of Georgia, LSU, et cetera, because they're just going against physical defensive backs every single day in practice and every week. Yep. I mean, it's a murderer's role. You know, Mike Evans is out of the SEC. Um, Odell Beckham and uh, Jarvis Landry were out of LSU. Um, Amari Cooper and uh, why am, oh, Julio Jones were both Julio out of Jones, Alabama. Yeah. So like, AJ Green, you know, right? AJ Green. Um, you know, with the lone exceptions being like, um, oh, why am I drawing a blank on uh, the kid from Pittsburgh that went to Cincinnati? That's their big guy right now. Um, the rookie this year? No, 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 no. Uh, the guy who's been their number one there for the last two years when Green's been hurt. It's like James. Gosh, dang it! <laughs> I'm throwing a blank too. Um, yeah, it's all right. We'll just look like idiots like we normally do. <laughs> Although, is it really a badge of? Um, shame to uh, not know somebody on the Bengals right now I, that's I mean why do I give a shit about their <laughs> wide receiver <laughs> it's not fantasy so. relevant um but then that that too but then I have a hard time with wide receivers from the Big Ten too um like for example Michael Thomas I had no idea you know and I've watched I've watched a lot of his stuff when he was coming out and I was right. like, I don't I don't know, but then I have guys like Chris Godwin and DJ Moore, um, so yep. I guess I just contradicted myself anyway. Stephon but, Diggs. Yeah, and it's it's just because they run so much more in the Big Ten, I have a harder time um, feeling for sure about wide receivers from there. So yeah, conference does play um, a huge difference for me when I am making decisions about certain things. Right, well, at least in the initial and... Um, trying to be evaluative on this. I, again, I will stress, although I don't think we're going to have a college football season. Uh, I, I I don't think there's any way, and that's going to be our second segment discussion here. 
of whether there's even going to be a true NFL season or we're basically going to have to scrap it midway through. But um, I, I really don't know how you play Dynasty and don't at least pay attention to college football if you're not like actually playing fantasy football for college as well. And Dana has actually talked about doing a, a college fantasy show um, with me, you know, eventually to try and uh, do that one. It's one of like seven different shows that I have currently on the back burner. So, but, uh, all right. So any other, uh, difficult decisions you think we might have coming up as far as, uh, anything else? I haven't heard from anybody as far as, um, them trying to put their teams together or having any last minute decisions. Uh, I guess what we'll save the other question we had, which is, uh, Tyler so Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Yes. <laughs> it just okay. came to me. I don't know why. Yeah, oh, yeah, it sometimes happens that way. <laughs> anyway, um, but so I guess the question keepers are due on August 1st for our league. I don't know how everybody else is doing it. And by keepers, I mean basically the uh, majority of your roster that you're going to keep for ours. We have 15 spots out of 23 um, or 22. 22 and uh, we draft seven rounds so that it's pretty close to the regular NFL as um, how we keep our roster spaces. I know there are other leagues that are a little bit bigger on the dynasty thing. I just, I don't know how that really works because I have a a hard struggle keeping that many people credibly. So, um, but uh, uh, I I guess we'll play it by ear the rest of the week because that's the other big part of what's going on right now is Uh, how many players are going to opt out. And I haven't seen a full list of um, NFL players who have opted out, but I I did see there are a couple of notable um, uh, players or teams that are, you know, at least going through that right now. Yeah, I mean, a few to kick it off right away. Um, Devin Funches, that's a big one for us here in Packerland, um, he opted out. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, he opted out as well. Um, yeah, Eagles but that one wide receiver. Oh, I guess he did move to the Eagles. Okay. Yeah, Eagles wide receiver. Um, you know, with as injury prone as Deshaun and Alshon Jeffrey is, and then you got a rookie in Jalen Rager there, you'd probably think that um, he'd have a pretty good shot at being pretty productive. Um, uh, but Michael yeah, he opted Pierce, out. Uh, the big uh, signing for the Vikings uh, from um, Baltimore who was supposed to be their nose tackle for this year. He's opted out, I guess. Really? Uh, I didn't see that one. Yep. Star Latulale uh, from the Bills, the uh, defensive tackle. Um, Patrick Chung of the Patriots, who's a, um, a uh, pro bowler. Eddie Goldman for the Bears. Um, apparently he's uh, up in the air yet as to what, what he's going to be doing. Um, but that one would be uh, interesting because I think that's another one that has been a um, uh, pro bowler for, for them. Um, Andre Smith for the Ravens, although he's a little bit older, uh, so they're replacing a, a tackle. Um, Brandon Bolden and Dante Hightower from the Patriots. Um, Marcus Cannon from the Patriots. So, like, oh, Danny Vitale, the former uh, Packer fullback, but signed for the Patriots. He's sitting out. Um, now they're just tanking for Lawrence, aren't they? Bill was I don't like, know. Bill was like, I don't even know if play, Lawrence really is going to be the the number one pick at that point. Like I, I can't I can't say for sure. 
Uh, DeAnthony Thomas, the former kick returner for the Chiefs, who's now with the Ravens, he's sitting out. Chance Warmack for the uh, Seahawks. Um, and then obviously the big one being from uh, uh, the first one to hold out or uh, sit out, uh, Laurent du- Duvernay-Tardif, uh, the um, ch- uh, defending champion guard from the Chiefs. So that's the list at the moment. I don't know how many else, but that's a lot of Patriots. Um, and I'd be I'd be very curious as to what uh, the thinking is on that if they had more of a, a different attitude as a, a franchise. But they're they're going to be in some transition this year, and I don't know how that's going to go. But uh, as far as uh, Green Bay, you know they were already. Um, struggling and they were banking on Funches coming in and it providing some ability. I think he was only on a one-year contract, so I'm curious if that just um, carries over to the next full year or what exactly that's going to mean. Um, and it's possible that we have some guys where um, this is going to be unlike any other year with injuries where all of a sudden you get two or three of them sick and you're going to have a hard time filling out a roster. So this is going to be one of the more unique years that we're ever going to have. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of luck involved in this year. I, I would like to say, um, cause you really don't want to give up your entire team. Um, right. If you have, if you have like a run of virus on your team and drop a crap ton of people, um, it's going to be a lot of luck to try to keep your guys healthy. Um, and I know we're going to talk about this later in the second half, but I'd feel a whole lot better if this was in the NFL was doing a bubble. Um, Oh God. Yes. Um, or at least like two of them or something where like you could do something that, that was a little bit better, but I, I, the other problem with doing a bubble, um, is they have too many players, coaches and personnel, uh, to do it for that long. And I don't know how that's going to work because that you're talking like four months of the season. Uh, but from the travel and the other things, and we can't, um, take out. So the NHL and the NBA currently have no positive tests uh, mm-hmm. as they're about to start play this weekend. Um, but Major League Baseball has been up for one weekend and we already have one team basically quarantined and canceling a week's worth of games. Like if that is a long term systemic issue for them, I don't know how that's going to work for the NFL. I think it's fully possible you get into like week one, week two of um, training camp and all of a sudden an entire team has to sit out because they have a problem. I mean, we've seen MRSA issues among the NFL locker rooms before. How is this any different? That's what I'm saying. We've seen like (laughs) you're, you're turning the game on, you're turning the Packer game on at noon and you hear, Oh, there's a sickness going through the locker room. Some players are hoping that they can make it through. You know what I mean? Like when I played football in college, like we had a one week where everybody was getting sick every single person and like now you have something that's you know it's it's crazy like i feel like there is a smarter way that they could have done this they had the most time out of every league to be able to get this right and they sat there on their ass and did absolutely nothing if it was up to me i would have chose like four cities split the league up into four and do four different bubbles if you want to do a little right. tournament that way and then send the final four to someplace, you could have done it that way. Or if you even want to travel in between the four little bubbles, as long as it's safe for everybody, like it, it could have worked. And you have the NBA spending $180 million to get their product on because they're the best freaking league in the entire world because they get it. 
In the NFL, I just I don't understand. <laughs> okay, so the highest depth or death rate in the world right now, as far as um, COVID, is in the UK. But they've had their stuff basically contained or you know on the decline because of their uniform system since uh, April. And even they are not going to open up the Premier League for fans until hopefully October. Had the country decided we wanted football and we wanted schools and we wanted everything else to try and open up, we should have had a much more uniform designation. Because the thing is, is once it gets into Washington, it's really not going to take that much to get it into Kansas or um, Maine before it starts traveling, because we have so many people that travel between the borders of states that it was never going to be completely contained. Uh, I know they're trying to put in effects basically that you have a list of um, places that you can't come from and come into the city. I don't know how they're going to enforce that. I mean, even Walmart's taken this pussy attitude of uh, we're going to require masks, but we're not going to enforce it because we don't want to get uh, anybody, um, you know, a, a violence issue with any of our employees. Well, you're putting them in danger one way or the other. Like, you either have to eat the bullet and have some cojones, or you don't. I mean, that that's literally what it's come down to. But the NFL has kind of shown its cards. This is one of the instances where I always thought the NFL was proactive. They were the ones that were, like, first on replay and always trying to be more aggressive about certain um, conduct and other things. And they've just proven that since basically the Ray Rice decision— they're nothing but uh, reactive. And I mean that in, in sincerely. They have done nothing but be reactive to every situation that's come up, social or otherwise. And the league that's benefited the most by being proactive and being aggressive is the NBA. And they've seen their um, like social quota basically go up. Um, the one instance where they really had a problem was with China, but that's a whole other host of things. I don't even want to discuss the, the geopolitical situation with that. I'll just leave it at, you know, their basketball situation. But, uh, even now they, now that it's kind of been pulled away from them, regardless, they're still trying to make that, um, uh, work where like, Oh, we didn't fire you. You fired us type of situation. I don't know. But, um, the NBA seems to get credibility by having it right and being proactive. You would think the rest of the leagues would um, try and react that way, but baseball and football have been uh, obstinate and stubborn about all of the shit, and it's going to come home to roost. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I guess, I just don't understand. You were the one league that had time, and you royally fucked it up, and yeah. it's just. I don't feel comp if you if you if I was to bet on if there was going to be a season past week eight, I'm not putting any money down on that. I'd be surprised no. if we get a whole month of the season without some team having to forfeit for some reason. And then I mean, and with football, man, if it can happen with baseball, baseball oh, yeah. with the limited contact that baseball has. Shut the fuck up. Like, And then they're asking these guys to wear these these masks with to go with a visor and you know how hot it is in there anyway you're gonna want the people down in miami wearing that come on man so i just all the testing all that stuff to be able to get the people into their facilities great 
But at the end of the day, these guys are still going to go home at the end of the day. Then you're still going to get on a on a on a on an airplane and stay in a hotel and travel. Like you're still going to do all these things. I I just so, I'm not rooting for it to fail. I just have a hard time no. seeing it being successful. I love football more than anything else, and I would wish nothing more than to have a normal season and everything else like we could. I would love to have everything open, but the reality of the situation is, is right now they're telling us it's going to be a calendar year before we can have any hope of normal from now, not a calendar year from March, a calendar year from now. So that means next July we might be able to start like having our regular barbecues and be able to hug my grandmother. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that that's that's nuts. But until that starts sinking in and that reality um, becomes a part of what you're doing, we're never going to continue on because everybody's going to be like, oh, well, it'll be only two or three more weeks and then we can do other stuff. Or I'm just tired of all of this. No, you have to have buy-in from everybody, and that's part of why we've had uh, as much problem as we have currently going on. Had we had buy-in much sooner, shut down much more uh, than we had, we would have been able to at least um, start curtailing this in a much quicker fashion. But we just had yesterday uh, over 1,300 deaths just uh, in this country alone. If you start doing that at a per-day basis— we're talking about we're going to increase our uh, death rate by an exponential level. So I I fully understand and can appreciate anybody opting out. Like, I do not hold it against anybody to opt out because taking a year off from your career where you could basically uh, end your career by getting this is no joke. I mean, when you're talking about uh, Freddie Freeman, who's still playing, but thinking he was about ready to die because he had this a couple of months ago and somehow he's made his recovery. But, you know, if you're taking or damaging your lungs permanently, I don't know how you can be an athlete. And you've now taken away your ability to earn a living in this this realm by taking a chance on one year of your life. Yeah, I, I and we didn't have a testing protocol in the league until last week, which like Russell Wilson had to threaten to hold out and like sit out in order to get one. I mean, that's, that's absolutely nuts. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Like I, at the end of the day, they're the one league that had time and they're the one league that royally fucked it up. <laughs> well, the benefit of time though is still on their side. Cause I don't think we're having a preseason, which frankly, we didn't have much of a preseason anyway. I mean, last year was so royally uh, boring as piss. Um, and I, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm cussing as much as I am at this point, because I'm just kind of like, I feel that energy kind of burning up in me at the moment, how mismanaged things are, um, the, the lack of leadership across all fronts, but that, that, that's beside the point. The, the thing is, is I think they're better off just having, um, no preseason, even if it doesn't help me, um, construct my fantasy football roster that is where i wanted to go with it so because there isn't going to be as much um preseason you're not going to be able to see these guys you're gonna have to listen and read and between the line coach speak and all that other bullshit that we hate reading and listening to um what are you going to do different this year to try to evaluate talent when it comes to the draft because you my friend and you've said it yourself you need to hit this draft 
So you can't really stock up on picks because we have to trade pick for pick in order to keep the roster spaces the same, which yeah, has I always mean, been could, problematic. But yeah, you'd, you'd have to trade players, yeah, to get rid of old. I think picks. I think if I were to have a strategy, I'm waiting till after the draft and seeing who has um, guys that they don't highly value that they just picked out of necessity because it was the highest guy on the board. Or some guys that I could like swoop in and take some chances on, trade some older players for a few younger ones, that type of situation, so that you are minimizing your risk by diversifying. I mean, again, we look at this in a dynasty league more like you would a stock portfolio. Um, right. And given you know uh, what I know about some of those things due to my uh, some of my other businesses, you know that's that's something I, I'm a little bit more adept at. The one thing I will say is um, because this is going to be so up and down, like you just have to try as, as best as you can to minimize risk. But I say that um, whether this is a dynasty league or a um, redraft league or anything else, your, your overall value, it, it's why some people think, like you read some of these overrated, underrated conversations or these boom busts. Um, currently, the third quarterback off the draft list is Kyler Murray. Like, Kyler Murray had a good rookie season, but everybody's predicting him to be the next Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes level in year two. And the reason why those guys were so valuable is not because um, they were the number one or number two quarterback. It was because they had historic seasons, number one, but also they were being drafted in the 10th round or later. And you're not getting positional value if Kyler Murray's going in the third round. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, you're better off waiting and hanging out in the difference between what Kyler Murray is going to put up from um, his stat line to what you're potentially going to get with uh, Dak Prescott three rounds later is minimal. And so it's it's a matter of trying to do all of these things. But you're, you're right. I am going to be handcuffed. You know, I, I'm the big nerd of all of us. And my dad has access to NFL Network, so I used to record all of the preseason games on his DVR and speed through most of these games. So I was putting in 40 hours of watching preseason games um, and trying to put this all together. I'm not going to have a single moment of any of that. And I'm not watching these joint scrimmage bullshit things that they're going to put on where they're not doing anything either. That's why I was so miffed at last year's preseason is I couldn't get a read on anybody. So I'm not really sure. I haven't taken an approach yet. I hate coach speak. Um, coach speak to me is reminiscent of trying to get all of your facts from the internet. I mean, you can only believe half of what you see on the internet. I mean, Abraham Lincoln was saying that back in 1864. So the the, the point being that it's it's a shitty joke, but whatever. Anyway, the point. The point being, you can still fool kids on that crap, but um, I, I just, I don't know what you're going to be able to rely on, and the only strategy moving forward is to try and um, give your team as much depth at every position that you can, having multiple tight ends, multiple quarterbacks, because like we already said, you could have a stretch where Pat Mahomes is just fine, and he gets COVID, and he's quarantined for two weeks. Well, there goes two weeks of my season, and in one where uh, we may have a shortened season or they may 
um, take a gap where we're off for a month because they just have a huge flare-up across the league or something else. Every game is going to be hugely valuable. So, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, um, Coach Speak, yeah, going back to that, that annoys the hell out of me. Um, I know I've told you as, as much as I have about how much I like Cam Akers and all yep. McVay keeps saying is running back by committee, running back by committee. We're going to play the hot hand. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's no way in hell you're going to do that. You, this guy was the first pick you took. It ended up being a second round pick, but he's the first guy you took in the draft. You had a year of the other guys and it obviously wasn't good enough. I just have a hard time believing, you know, you, you, the cream always rises to the top, top, right? So but yeah, that's the that's the thing I've been going through all off season too is like trying to read through the lines of all this bullshit that you see, and eventually you're just gonna have to make a decision for yourself and just follow what you have to trust yourself in making that decision. So on that that particular line, just so we're getting off of this like weird angry monologue section that we've been doing. <laughs> um, the the comments by McVeigh on running back by committee I take a little bit more seriously because he's out of the Shanahan tree where Shanahan and um, all of the rest of them, they like a lead back, but they ride the hot hand. So I could definitely see where Akers has like three really good weeks and all of a sudden they start playing uh, Darrell Henderson and he has like four or five good weeks, but it's not like Akers is going away. So if they have multiple options at that spot, I don't think that that's um, going away. It's it's quite simply something that could happen. I have I just have a hard time. I don't know. I don't know. That's 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 fair. I'm <laughs> certainly not gonna you know fault you on that one. But. No, I I'm serious. I just I don't know. You know, like I I wanna... well right. But then I you think about the Colts have the same situation with Jonathan Taylor. Um, I, I think the only one guaranteed to be the lead back at this point is DeAndre Swift because of the lack of everybody else around him. But um, DJ or uh, J.K. Dobbins is going to be the second back, at least to start. Um, and uh, um, Kayshawn Vaughn's probably going to be behind Ronald Jones. Um, because of pass protection as a rookie, um, so you don't know how he's going to fit in, and I, I guess it's just one of those things. See, I have a hard time seeing DeAndre Swift just taking over that backfield right away, because yes, KJ is, he's hurt pretty often, um, but when he is healthy, he is decently productive, um, and I see sure. Patricia coming, you know, from that Patriots tree, where they actually do use a bunch of different running backs. Um, I don't know. It's well, tough. But I, I, I would say, though, that he's the most likely of any of them to end up getting a majority of the carries. That That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's going to be, like, a true blue bell cow number one guy. But even the Packers are saying they're going to try and, like, rotate in three guys when Aaron Jones is a world beater. But that's because if you give Aaron Jones 25 carries a game, his efficiency rate is going to go down significantly. Yeah, he's going to so, beat up. Exactly. So give the ball five times a game to A.J. Dillon or, you know, uh, Williams. But I, I, I think there's a lot of unknowns. Um 
The one thing is I'll say when we get to next week and if we keep the keeper deadline in place, um, which I, I, I'll probably put out a poll question of something, um, just trying to take a, a stock of the league, trying to be as fair as possible and see if anybody else opts out all of a sudden. Um, but uh, maybe we'll manage that tomorrow and see where it goes. I just, I think we're still a long way away from the season yet. And there are a lot of dominoes yet to fall where we see how the NBA, the NHL, and the MLB are working out, you know, two or three weeks from now. And if the yeah. MLB closes because of the Marlins, I think we're in a much different world with the NFL. Yeah, a lot is going to happen within the next two weeks, I think. So, so like everything that's going to go on for the rest of the year, you take it a week at a time and just try and make the best of the situation. So, all right, we'll uh, be back for um, accelerated uh, preseason, not but not actual preseason talk. I guess training camp talk and reactions to. Uh, certain keepers draft preview uh, workouts yeah. next week. Um, we'll be able to looking see forward our draft to it. Board. We'll be able yep. to see our draft board, right? Yep. Good. Yep. It starts oh. getting real, real. But uh, until then, we'll uh, see you next week, everybody. And that is your dagger. That's all for this week. And please uh, make sure to rate, subscribe, and review the new podcast on the Tom Duncan Network, as it's currently being called. Um, That'll help everybody else find the podcast and that uh, we continue to help uh, provide you winning opportunities on your fantasy teams, hopefully get you interested in this new type of uh, fantasy football. Uh, Until next time, thanks and have a great evening. Thank you.